anyway, all right, let's get started, man. I've been looking right. forward to this one all year long. This is one of the episodes, like, I realize, like, I every year I've had you on around in November. Like, you're kind of yeah. my November guest. Like, I'm like, yeah, and then in November I'll have Joe on to talk politics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, okay. <clears throat> Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. Thank you for everybody listening. Last week when we released mini-episode number three, we talked about the Saints and then we talked about LSU. Uh, it was a great episode. I'm really glad we got to do that. But today we actually have a full new episode, and I am joined by one of my oldest friends. We went to high school together. We used to eat lunch all the time together. Joe Lusick, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's wild. I've known you 11. No, I've known you fucking 13 years. Isn't that nuts? That's fucking crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a whole bar mitzvah. That is, ugh, golly. Uh, anyway, um, how's a uh, you, you're currently in DC. You were talking to me about how the weather is kind of it's cold, but it's you know it could be worse, right? It definitely could be worse. It's sunny. It's probably like forty three or something like that. You know, definitely could be worse around this time. Well, that's good, man. I uh, it's it's about that. It's like that here in Austin. And anyone who knows me knows that like me being in shorts in thirty degree weather or forty degree weather, I'm just like. A pig in mud, dude. It's awesome. That's wild that it's the same temperature in Austin that it is here. Yeah, That's man. Crazy. They had like that Arctic blast or some shit that came, that's, uh, that came through. I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm loving Arctic it. Arctic um, blast. But yeah, this will come out on the twentieth. For anyone listening in Louisiana, I will be in Louisiana for Thanksgiving the following week. Are you coming into town for the holidays this year, Joe? Uh, I will actually. Yeah, I'll be there. Um, pretty much the whole week i think i get in like monday night and i'll be there through saturday so awesome dude there, let's uh let's hang out not only do we get to record a pod we get to hang out with each other the next week man that's awesome but you've also had some big news in your personal life man would you like to share with the audience what what recently sure, happened to you sure. I, uh, I got engaged a couple months ago in july that's what's up um and that was it was, it was really lovely uh, her family came in and we celebrated all weekend so that was really nice and uh you know since then you know we've been wedding planning which is um not the funnest process but uh you know there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel so <laughs> yeah so yeah it's actually weird because I, I think i mentioned this when i was in dc earlier this year and i we got to hang out and you destroyed me in ping pong but we both had fun i did i did yeah uh <laughs> I was talking to you about it. You were the second friend. Like, I recently just had on my friend Rachel, and her and Steven, also a guest on this pod, got engaged, like, a week before or a week after you. I was like, man, two of my boys are going down and stuff like that. But um, it's really weird. We're getting to that age. So let me ask you this. The only question I'm curious about is, like, where's your mind at when you're like, I'm about to get on a knee and do this? Like, Like, I know you've been with your lovely fiance for a while now, like... But are you still nervous? Are you still like, man, I hope I don't fuck this up? Where, where's your mind yeah, at in that process? You're definitely nervous. Uh, you know, I, I think she she had a pretty good idea of what was going on um, because, uh, you know, I, I, I like I put a ton of planning into it. Um, you know, some people are just like, all right, yeah, like, you know, kind of I'll just I'll just get on the knee now. But I, I put a ton of planning in it. So it was, I guess, hard to keep all of that planning a secret. So I think she had a pretty good idea. So I wasn't, you know. I wasn't nervous that she'd say no or anything, but you know, yeah. it, it, there's this pressure of like, she's been waiting for this, like thinking about this moment her whole yeah. life. It has to be memorable. You, you want, yeah, you want it. You want to like meet her expectations. You know what I mean? I don't ever think I'll take that plunge. I mean, maybe who knows, <laughs> but like, I would like, I couldn't, that would be like such a surreal moment for me. Like I'm about to ask someone to marry me. Like I, I'm just like. Like, I would just be like, send a text, be like, hey, you want to get married or some shit? Like, I would just be like, how do you just, like, 
Oh, that's just I would be a ball of nerves, man. But I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you. When are y'all uh when are you, when is the date? Have y'all set a date yet? Yes, it'll be August sixteenth of next year, so mark awesome. your calendar. Yeah, it's gonna be uh y'all are going I think you told me when we saw each other, he's gonna be in uh it's not gonna be in D C or Louisiana, it's gonna be in uh Chicago, right? It'll be in Chicago, which is where her family's from. Awesome. Um so so summer in Chicago's nice, so hopefully hopefully that'll be, be good for folks. Is she a Bulls fan? She is like not really a sports fan, um, but Man. if like she she is a Cubs fan, she she does yeah. follow the Cubs. All right. Um, yeah. Speaking of baseball, what happened to your Yankees, bro? I forgot to forgot to put that on the topic list. What happened to your Yankees? Dude, I, I, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was on, I don't remember whether it was on the podcast or just talking to you in person, but I think it was on the podcast. I, like, guaranteed a couple of years ago that the Yankees would win the World Series in 2019. So it didn't work <laughs> Probably. out. Probably. It, it might have happened on the podcast. It might have just been, like, in person. But, uh, yeah, I really thought um, we had it. We just, like, the starting pitching wasn't good enough. And apparently the Astros are dirty cheaters, so yeah. that at least makes me feel a little bit better. I couldn't believe that. I was like, after that whole scandal with their, like, what, assistant GM or deputy GM, and then you yeah. get this cheating scandal that comes out, yeah. like, I was like, ooh, buddy, it sucks to be an Astros, right? The well, Astros, were, right? And this isn't the first time with them. There was a story, I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago about they, like, I guess this was back when they were still in the National League. They were caught, like, like, like hacking the Cardinals. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I remember that, I remember like, that, like, yeah. They hacked their, like, advanced stats system or something like that like yeah. really so this is like this is like the third strike for them you know I, you, you gotta think that that'll be a pretty significant punishment but from, one, from my understanding some of the reports i read about it and i didn't read that much about it i just basically the headline is all you really need to know but apparently this is a problem throughout the mlb like apparently a lot of teams engage in this and they just got caught so yeah i mean you never know i never know with, with stuff like that i, I have no idea it's the same thing with like bounty gate with us you know yeah so, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it could be they were just not being got caught but so you joe lusick are the new gm of the uh, uh the manager or you know the gm of the yankees going forward into the 2020 season what what, what where's your head at what's your plan there if you had one uh, they, they've got to get uh you know an ace or two in the, in the starting pitching staff i mean you know the yankees lineup was top five all year yeah um it was just stacked, and that's even with. I mean, they were so injured. They had injury after injury, and they just were deep enough that they were still consistently one of the five best lineups in baseball. Their or their bullpen was, I think, either the best or second best in baseball. It was just the starting pitching was was incredibly inconsistent. And you know, I think luckily Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, who are probably two of the five best starting pitchers in baseball, are both free agents. So you know, and the Yankees, everyone knows the Yankees are like notorious for overspending, but the Yankees actually haven't really like. Yeah, that's kind of gone. Gotten a, yeah, it, it's it's been like almost a decade since the Yankees went out and like signed a premier free agent. Yeah, I think um, uh, it's been a really long time. I think very you know, recently the the Red Sox passed them in spending and like never right. looked back. Yeah. I mean the Yankees I think this year the Yankees were like the eighth highest payroll in baseball, which is I mean it's still obviously top ten, but like that's not you think of you think of them as like they're always gonna be one or two. And so they have been, I mean the past decade they've really been building through the farm system and through trades, which is kind of uh you know, and kind of using free agency as more of a plug any holes than like build a team. So, you know, if, if there is a time to go and spend a bunch of money on a free agent, this is the time because, you know, you got two elite starting pitchers out there. We desperately yeah. need a starting pitcher. So hopefully they go and get one of those guys. So just wrapping up on the Yankees with the whole spending thing, do you think it's because of Steinbrenner is no longer with us? Um, no, I, I think it's just I think it's honestly just because the 
the game changed and other teams got smart. And, yeah. You know, starting all the way back with Billy Bean and Moneyball, you know, like teams were figuring out how to build really successful teams on low budgets. And, yeah. you know, spending big just wasn't, yeah. you know, throughout the 90s, you know, the Yankees won four World Series in five years in part by just, like, spending a lot of money on free agents, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Jeter and Posada and Rivera were all, like, home guys. But a lot of the rest of that team was built around, like, spending big money on free agents, and that was successful. And then I think other teams got smart, other teams got, you know, figured out how to, you know, get the get good bang for their buck, and the Yankees kind of, I think Brian Cashman just realized, like, we have to play that game, too. Well, uh, shifting gears here, uh, let's, from one sad team to another sad team... <laughs> So I already talked about the Saints on my last mini episode. So I mean, needless to say, I was morose. If LSU, let me just put it this way: if LSU had beaten Alabama that night before, and I wasn't still kind of high off of that, I would have been like, I would have been like fucking like stage five depression here on that loss of this. To, why did it, ha- Joe? Why did it have to be the Falcons? Why did it yeah, have to be the Falcons? Yeah. So what? what were, I mean, yeah, what was your feelings after those games? So, so I actually, this is the first Saints game of the year I, I did not see. Uh, I was actually at a wedding, so I was like following on my phone. Oh man! Didn't actually, watch, <laughs> didn't actually watch any of the game. But you know, read read a bunch of articles about it afterwards. You know, looked at the box scores. You know, it, it seems like it was just one of those burn the tape games where like. You know, they weren't prepared. The Falcons came in, you know, thinking of it as their Super Bowl. We came in thinking of it as, uh, we're just going to roll over these guys. They suck. Looking at the box score and just kind of reading about it, one thing that jumped out at me is, like, a a lot. There were a lot of, like, little things that you can just fix that would have made it a totally different game. Like, uh, you know, one thing that jumped out at me was the penalty. I think we had like yeah, twelve penalties, eleven or um, something like that. Yeah, some shit I think, like that. I, I think that I think that every single, if not almost every single drive, if not every single drive on offense, we had a penalty. Yeah. Right. And so, like, you know, on, on every single drive, at some point, there was like a second and seventeen. Right. And like, it doesn't really matter how good your offense is; it's it's hard to convert to get to the first down when you're in second and seventeen. Yeah. Right. Like, and so that's I think that's a big part of it. I mean, we were moving the ball. Yeah. Um, and it just like it seemed like more often than not it was a penalty that stalled the drive, not like a, a series of you know poor play calls or bad decisions or anything. How do you um, feel about the sacks? That was surprising. I mean, I, I think the stat was going into that game we'd allowed twelve sacks all season. Yeah. So twelve sacks through the first eight games, and then we allowed six. Yeah. In just in just one game. Um, yeah. And again, I, I didn't watch, so I can't really point you to what it was. Yeah. Um, I know that Pete got hurt. That may have played a role. In yeah. It. There's um, also the stat that, like, I think for the first eight games of the season, the Falcons had had like three sacks. Yeah. And well, then they had gotten six in that. I was yeah. just like, it was just a shit show. All dude, I watched it because I was like, it was actually on national TV uh, down here in Austin, which doesn't happen very uh-huh. often. And I was very excited. I was like, oh boy, I get to watch us murder the Falcons like on my huge television. And right. then it, it didn't it didn't go it didn't go that way. And it was very, yeah. very sad. But you know Yeah. Well, I mean listen, we're still seven and two. Yeah. Um, we're very much in the running for a, a first round bye. Uh, you know, it seems right now like it's kind of between two out of three out of the 49ers, the Packers and us will probably get those first round bye spots. So, you know, I, it's a terrible loss, but you know, I see no reason not to be optimistic about the rest of the year. Like, it didn't seem like there were structural issues with the team. It seemed more just like they didn't really come ready to play. Yeah. A lot of miscues, you know, a lot of little things that you can kind of fix. And so, you know, the, the next three games on our schedule are all in the division. We got, you know, we get we get Tampa Bay this week. Yeah. Carolina back at home. And then I believe Atlanta 
in Atlanta. So, you know, if we sweep those three games, then you're 10-2, and two, you're 4-1 in the division, and then you're in a good spot. So. Mm-hmm. The rest of our schedule, I mean, other than the 49ers, um, yeah. there aren't a lot of really tough teams that we play. I mean, the Panthers, Panthers are a little bit tough, frankly, just because Christian McCaffrey is a beast, and we still have to play them twice. Yeah. Um, and we have a really good run defense, so I'm not that worried about it, but that dude is scary good. Yeah, I mean, we still have to play the Colts as well, and depending on Jacoby I mean, Brissett, yeah, yeah. The Colts are a weird team, you know. Yeah, they like they they just like play the level of their competition. They seem to never blow anyone out. They never get blown out. They just always seem to play close games. So that'll be an interesting one too. Luckily, these two big games because we have the Bucks. We have the Bucks tomorrow, which I think I hope, knock on wood, we win. Uh, yeah. And then we have the Panthers at home, which is good for us. And then we have the Falcons in Atlanta. But I think that it's a Thanksgiving game. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of energy on our side, yeah. especially after that loss. But the, I can't the, the, see us losing to the Falcons twice. Yeah. I and mean, that's hard to imagine. And the Niners, luckily for us, uh, but I mean, I know we just lost to the Falcons at home, but I I think it's a fluke. But luckily for us, the Niners and the Colts game are both at home. So I think that right, that gives right. us a huge yeah. advantage. So, so, so I think, you know. If our four toughest games left are Niners, Colts, and both against the Panthers, three out of the four are at home. So that's a good spot to be in. So are you, what do you think? Like, Okay, let me just ask you this. Uh, leading up to the, the weeks leading up to the LSU-Alabama game, I kept calling my stepdad and be like, are we drinking the Kool-Aid yet on LSU? Are we drinking the right, Kool-Aid yet? Right. So let me ask you this, Joe. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid yet on the Saints this year all the way? I am. I mean, I think that they're capable of beating anybody on, a, on any given week. You know, football's a random sport. And, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go out of here and say, like, I'm guaranteeing a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, random shit happens in football games. You know, it's not like basketball where, like, it's a seven-game series and, like, the best team pretty yeah, much Yeah, like, wins. random shit like a ref blowing right. a fucking offense, a defensive pass interference, but fuck whatever, you know. It's all good. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I certainly, I think that first round by becomes important because I do not want to play Green Bay in Green Bay in January. That, yeah. that seems like a, a game that, that, that is not uh, a bill for us. So, you know, um, on a neutral field, I think we're right up there. You know, I think that the best teams in the NFL are probably us, New England, Baltimore, San Francisco, and I, I think we're capable of beating any of those guys. I mean, the, the 49ers, you know, they have a great defense, but... Did you watch the Seattle 49ers game? I, I watched parts of it uh, on and off. I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I know it was like a divisional game for them, but I just couldn't believe that our team had beaten the Seattle Seahawks at home. I was like, where was this Seahawks team like weeks ago, dude? Like, right. what the fuck? Right. It was a yeah. good game, though. It was a really good game. Yeah, and so I think we can beat the 49ers at home. Um, yeah. You know, I just think that we can score a couple touchdowns on that defense, and I just don't think their offense really has much. It just doesn't really have the firepower. They're a team built around kind of dominating with that defense. People listening, Joe and I have a standing rivalry, and I got to give him my. I'm wearing a hat right now. I'll give my my hats off to him. The <sighs> fucking Michigan Wolverines beat Notre Dame this year. <laughs> That was not fun. That was another awful yeah. game. I was just like, fuck. dude, I don't even know what's going on with Notre Dame. I'm like, I kind of want them to be good, but I'm also like, the longer the, the the longer they stay good, the more consistently good they are. Like those ten win seasons. I'm like, means yeah. that means that Brian Kelly's gonna have a job, and I don't really like Brian Kelly, so I'm like, fuck. Michigan's kind of the same, right? Like they yeah. keep they keep being good enough to like not panic. Yeah. But like they've never. I mean, you know, I mean, Notre Dame's been to a playoff. Yeah, we yeah, and we two, went to a national ago, championship right? uh, seven years ago, Thir- uh, six no, but years al- ago. But also, you made the playoffs two years ago, right? Yeah, we got destroyed by Clemson. Right, but 
But yeah. like, at least there's that. Michigan, we're now what five years into the college football playoff. Michigan hasn't been yet. You know, we've we've Ohio State's beaten us what I think eleven out of the last thirteen or something Some like that. Some shit like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost like I guess it's somewhat similar to LSU before this year. They're like always pretty good. Yeah, but they're like never good enough to actually be a contender. You know, they're like always going to be ten and three. <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's frustrating. Like they've this year they they got you know murdered by Wisconsin. Yeah. Earlier in the year, they had a tough loss to Penn State. We actually played Penn State really close. I vaguely we, recall we that game. Beat Notre Dame and then beat yeah, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we'll see. But uh, but yeah, man, it's been a good football season so far. At, le- at least if you're a Saints fan, not that past game withstanding and LSU. But uh, but let's move on to something much more pressing and real with real life consequences. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We, before we do before we do that though, do you, yeah. do you want to talk about that Miles Garrett thing for? Rebel oh yeah, we can talk about it. That, well, I just I I yeah, I'll be happy to talk about it. But I actually got a lot of flack. Like me, and my brother, my brother literally called me at work yesterday because he couldn't believe what I was saying. But I was like, I was like, yo man, like I I don't think that Miles Garrett should be throwing helmets at people. But also Mason Rudolph, you kind of started that fight, bro. Yeah, I, yeah, he, he did start it. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think Mason Rudolph should get a suspension too. Yeah, I think yes. yesterday they said, you know, Garrett suspended indefinitely, which is appropriate. Yeah, Marquise Pouncey got three games because he was, like, holding him down and punching him in the face yeah. to the extent that you can when someone has a helmet on. I've always thought that was weird. When football players fight, yeah. they're like, trying to punch a guy in the head. It's like, he has a helmet on. That's not going to hurt you. You're going to break your hand, dude. What are you right. doing? Um, but uh, he got three games, which is appropriate. And then the dude that, like, came from behind Rudolph and yeah, yeah, the yeah. Back got one game. That's appropriate. I was surprised Rudolph didn't get suspension because he did start it. Well, I mean, we didn't see what happened before that. Yeah. But uh, who knows? But, but Rudolph definitely instigated. But but here's the thing, though. It's not even about the – because I talked to my brother about this. We had a long, long in-depth conversation about it. It's like, okay, here's what happens. Garrett tackles him. Eight seconds left in the game. Puts a little mustard on that tackle. Hey, man, it's eight seconds left. Chill the fuck out. Mason Rudolph having a terrible game. Decided, got a little frustrated and took it out on Miles Garrett. Not the smartest thing to do. Miles Garrett is a fucking superhuman, so like maybe right. not. Right. But here's my issue. It's like, and I agree, Rudolph should have gotten something because like as soon as those two linemen, Steelers linemen, pulled Garrett back, Mason Rudolph, sit your ass down. What the fuck are you doing? You got up and chased after him. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you deserved to get your head hit with a helmet, but also. Why are you putting yourself in that situation? Fucking chill out, bro. Here's a, you know what's funny? I've noticed this, and this will might be a good segue into our our national discourse, Joe. But like, yeah. it's 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 this weird thing where where it's like, if you, it, you we're we're adults here. We we I would like to believe most of us are intelligent or semi intelligent people. You can carry two thoughts in your brain at one time. Like, right. I feel like it, the 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 conversation about that incident broke down as well. You either think that. Mason Rudolph deserved what he got, or you think Miles Garrett is deserves to be locked up in a prison? It's like no, you like both people were wrong here. Like, you can carry two ideas. Like it's not one or the other. Like yeah, right. like it's like I'm not saying I'm not on anybody's side here. I don't give a fuck about either one of these players. You know what I'm saying? Joe? Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That's a, that's a good you know. But you, you, our discourse now seems to be the death of nuance, right? Like yeah. no one. You're not allowed to have an opinion that isn't just this is right, this is wrong. Yeah, yeah, and it's like if yeah. you if if you're supporting this person, you have to support everything they do. Or like if you right. or if right. you're against right. someone, right. you have to be against everything they do. Or and it's right. just like, is that really how we live now? Like, is that really like that doesn't seem very healthy, like mentally speaking? Because like that just sounds like tribal shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
Anyway. I agree. So anyone not aware, I don't know how you wouldn't be, but say you're just avoiding you know national politics altogether. Props to you in this day and age. I don't know how you do that, but all right. So there's something going on in D.C. right now, Joe. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an impeachment, right? We have an impeachment going on, right? There is an impeachment inquiry, yes. Yeah, and have you watched? I've watched uh, I watched the first testimony, and I watched kind of uh, Maria Yoyanovich. I hope I, I think I pronounced that last name wrong, but uh, Ambassador Yoyanovich is – I watched a little bit of her testimony. But I did watch uh, Kent and Taylor's. Did you – have you been watching it or you've been busy? I, I have. I've been watching. Um, I've I've read the the depositions. Some. Um, oh wow! Infinite. Oh wow! Yeah. That 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 I was like, I'm good. I'll just watch the. I'm I'm not a big reader. I'll just watch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you have. What are your thoughts about this impeachment hearing? And as well as a as a DC native, uh, as a D. I'm sorry, as a DC resident. My apologies. I'm about to say I'm, I'm a New Orleans. Yeah, for real. As a DC <laughs> resident, you know. What are your thoughts about the impeachment? What is, what is the mood like if you could capture it for us? Like, what do you what do you think is going on in the in that city right now with all this? I don't know that the I don't know that the mood has really changed. I just kind of think that this everyone's kind of probably known this was going to happen for a while, yeah. right? We didn't know it was going to be this. Everyone kind of thought it was going to be the Mueller report, and then that didn't really go the way that everyone thought it would. But you know, and then kind of as, as soon as this Ukraine call thing dropped, it's just kind of been. There's a, there's a new piece of the story every day that makes it worse. And yeah. I actually just I just read right before I was talking to you that uh, the, these two guys that were palling around with Giuliani, uh, Parnas and Truman, you know, Trump has said he never met them, and it uh, it, just, it turns out that at the ironically enough at the White House Hanukkah party last year, uh, they like they, they, they had like a, a, a four person meeting, the two of them, Giuliani and the president, yeah, where, where the president talked little, about uh, you know do this in Ukraine. A so, little peek behind the curtain, I literally texted Joe while we were talking about this episode. I was like, I am terrified that we're recording this on a Saturday, and by right. Wednesday it'll be obsolete. Like, well, this conversation will just be because it could change on a dime just like that. So, what, so what are your thoughts on the impeachment? How do you think it's going? You know, it's early. It is early. It's hard to, to just answer that question because it, it, the, objectively, mm-hmm. I mean, it is so clear <laughs> based on the facts before us. But but uh, let's let's do this full disclosure. You are a registered Democrat, correct? I, I am not only a registered Democrat, but I you know work in in Democratic politics. So yes, okay, you know, that's, that, 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 that's a fair disclosure. I uh, yes. I, I don't claim to be. Uh, Nonpartisan. Okay, absolutely. Um, but please continue. But that sir. being that being said, yeah. I mean, this president deserves to be impeached. He has he has very clearly committed impeachable offenses. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and this might be a different conversation when we get into this. But you know, there are a few different Republican defenses, and one of the Republican defenses, well, he didn't commit a crime. First of all, he might have committed a crime. Second yeah. of all, that's not that's not what impeachment is. Right, like impeachment, the, it's very clear if you go back and read James Madison and Alexander Hamilton and what these guys were writing in the Federalist Papers, and, and you know around the time of the of the ratification of the Constitution, they were very clear that impeachment is separate from from criminal activity. Right, it's it's what well, what impeachment is 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 specifically for public officials who abuse power. The reason impeachment is in the Constitution, and they actually had a debate about this, and like in the during the Constitutional Convention, there was a debate. Some of the guys said, you don't need impeachment in the Constitution. We have elections every four years. If the president misbehaves, people will throw him out. And and the, the vast majority of the delegates at the Constitutional Convention said, no. I hate you can't you, you I, can't just do that. I hate that I hate that argument so I hate right. I hate that argument so much. I, I hate to keep right. interrupting, but that one just 
I'm like, well, there's we'll let the American people decide in a year. It's like, so let criminals go free because the American people, like, you should allow criminality because we'll have an election in the Like, what, what right. kind of... And, and, so, anyway, and, so, and so the majority of the delegates basically said you can't do that. There has to be a mechanism for removing a president in the middle of their term. Absolutely, yeah. Not, not only because... For two, for two basic reasons. One is that the president... A corrupt president can do a tremendous amount of damage. Absolutely. Right? You, like, a lot can happen in four years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the good of the republic, it's important not to just wait. Um, and second of all, and this is critical, and this, I was reading a quote by one of the delegates of the Constitutional Convention. I wish I had it in front of me. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is so perfect. Because he, what he basically says, and I'm obviously paraphrasing, is one of the reasons you can't wait for an election is because a president in office, a corrupt president in office, has the power to subvert the election itself, right? He can manipulate the election itself to make the election unfair, right? Yeah. And so, and that's what's so bizarre about the Republican argument right now, saying wait for the election. But like, what we're talking about here, what this whole impeachment is about, is Trump trying to cheat in the election, yeah. okay? You know, it's not it's not separate. If, it, if, if this impeachment were all about like the Saudi Prince is staying in his hotel, and you're not supposed to get, you know, payments from foreign officials. That's that's yeah, emol- still in my the emoluments clause. Still, in my view, impeachable. Yes, but I would understand the argument in that case where it's like, well, let the voters decide. But here we have an issue where Trump is literally trying to cheat in the election. You're not allowed to get foreign help in elections. That is that is clear in the Constitution and it's clear in federal law. You're not allowed to get help from foreign governments in elections. Period. He's doing. He's cheating in the election, right? Yeah. And so you can't say, well, wait for the election that he's currently cheating in that doesn't make any sense and so it's just yeah. to me and, and, and this, again this is a, this is something that like the guys writing the constitution thought about in 1787 right like they considered this very possibility and that's why they said you have to have an impeachment provision in the constitution it's it you know what watching the testimony and watching both sides go you know ask questions and you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of watching old videos from like true tv or courtroom tv with the oj trial this feels like a prosecution the democrats and again i am i i will i'll put out there that i am not a registered democrat i am not registered republican but i am a liberal and i am a progressive so i'll say that it feels like you have the Democrats who are step who are playing the role of the prosecution, and you have the the, the Republicans, the fucking yeah. GOP, filling the role as the high-priced, expensive defense lawyers, which is how Trump has skated through facing any yeah. consequences throughout his life for his entire life. Like, if you look at Donald Trump's history, like the reason why he's never faced any consequences because he's always been rich and he's always had money and he's always. Yeah had enough money to pay the best well if not the best lawyers some of the best lawyers in, in, in the on, in the world for like his entire life to delay muddy the water you know cause confusion settle delay 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 and you know yeah. just wear out the opposition and it's like yeah. that is how this is exactly what happened this is exactly right. what's going well, on and, here. And, and, and he's and he's got people who go to jail for him right yeah. I mean, look at right now i mean michael cohen He's been sentenced. I'm not sure if he's in jail yet, but yeah. he's going to jail. Michael Flynn is going to jail. Roger Stone is going to jail. Manafort is, you know, is, is in jail right Ma- now. Manafort, Manafort is going to jail. Rick Gates is going to jail. Papadopoulos, I believe, already served his time and is out of it. But I mean, that's six right there. Yeah. You know, and these these are uh, Papadopoulos isn't really inner circle, but he, that's five guys in his inner circle 
that are either already in jail or, or will soon be going to jail. And, you know, that, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, can you think of a president? Oh, oh, but no, no one in Obama's inner circle yeah. was convicted of any crime for anything, I believe. I guess George Bush had the one. He had Scooter Libby. You know, I don't, I don't think anyone from, from Clinton's administration went to prison. It's, it's just very... Yeah, it's, it's it's so weird, and it's like it's like normal though. We're like, oh yeah, of course Trump associates are getting. We're just so numb to it now because this is such a, a kind of fundamentally corrupt uh, administration. It's it's very bizarre. I find it very fascinating because I was lo- I was watching a video, uh, a CNN video before we got on. Uh, it was uh, Chris, uh, the CNN guy, Chris Lizard or Chris Lizard or something like that. Chris Lizard. Yeah, that's the one. And Essie Cup, you know, she's a she was talking. There was a video between a conversation with those two talking about never Trumper conservatives, and I'm just like, she was talking about harkening back to the days of 2010 or 2012 of like how different and radically different the party is. I'm like, see, I don't see it that way. The the long, the more I think about it, the more I'm viewing this as, nah, this party was kind of lost and it didn't know what it is and this man filled the role that y'all needed because y'all didn't have an identity in modern politics so like i think that i think this is all the see this is this is going to sound very partisan i'm not trying to sound partisan i'm trying to be fair here but like this feels like a an entire organization an entire political party an entire side of our government enabling corruption for the sake of tax cuts and like appeal repealing abortion like all these things yeah I think it's 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 that it's essentially enabling all of this fuckery yeah. for 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 tax cuts and that is a technical term. And, fuckery and is a technical term. term. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, in the, it's in the code. Um, and and I would say the other thing is is conservative judges. Yeah. Um, they the, the, especially like guys like Mitch McConnell. They're just willing to tolerate all of this for the conservative judges. Yeah. And that's that's just so important to them. And and yeah, no, I think you're right about the Republican Party. I think there was. And this is like a really you, we can have a whole separate absolutely yeah this. absolutely it's, it's a really interesting topic but I think that part of what happened was there was this drift between where the conservative grassroots was yeah and where kind of Republican politicians and Republican elites in Washington were right and like there's this there's this like populist conservative movement you know that is you know in my view fundamentally racist fundamentally anti-immigrant um you know that kind of was a reaction to the liberalism of the 60s you know the the kind of people who say that you know we need to keep immigrants out the kind of people that say black people are just getting handouts from the government and it's not fair and, and, and those kind of strings of racism and you've got these conservative elites in washington who are more focused on tax cuts and deregulation and you had this drift the tea party right was kind of this you're, you're the philosophy expert so i don't know if i'm using this word right but the tea party to me was like this kind of nihilistic movement that didn't really have it didn't really have a point yeah other than to just like express this deep frustration that this conservative grassroots wasn't being heard and, and, and it was it was played in the media like the tea party was all about deficits and debt bullshit the tea party wasn't about deficits and debt the tea party was about there's a black president and that really upsets us like fundamentally that is really what the tea party was about you know they, they may have said that they may have paid lip service to that that might have been like their their front man but like what the tea party was really about was like this deep-seated frustration that the america that they believe they live in is being left behind well, the America they believe they live in is is, is, is white. You know what? I, I I totally agree with you, and it's these terms that I never thought I'd ever hear. It's it's fun. I love language. I really do love language, and I think it's so telling 
like the language we use, like cultural, a cultural war or cultural anxiety. Yes. And like, yeah, that yeah. is some bullshit ass, like, it's some euphemisms and shit. Right, but right, what, right. what I do want to ask you, as a registered Democrat and as a member of that party, don't you feel that they, the, the fly, I think we talked about this when he got elected. I think way back when we talked about this when he got elected. But I just think that it's, it's crazy to me that. I kind of understand that that populist outrage that like a lot of these people live in you know flyover states or in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. That's that's a phrase like for like in hindsight like I never realized how dismissive and kind of disrespectful right. is and condescending. And yeah. condescending like the middle of nowhere like these people live in nowhere. It doesn't matter. Right, it's like right, right. they have been screwed over by corporations and businesses and globalism Definitely. and they have been screwed Definitely. over by politicians and I'm like yeah yes but in my mind like they should be voting Democrat, right? Like, yeah. Democrats are the party that has been saying, you know, free trade is usually good, but we have to be more careful because free trade is really hollowing out middle America. That's us. Yeah. Republicans are the free trade fundamentalists, you know? Yeah. Like, wh- 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 which is the party that's been saying, like, hey, you know, if we eviscerate unions, workers aren't, aren't going to have a lot of bargaining power and corporations are going to start shutting down and consolidating factories. That was us. Yeah. Right? Like, you can draw a direct line between Republican policies and, like, this hollowing out of middle small town you know steel town america it's and and, you know we're the party that's been fighting for those guys and yet that that that, i don't know that recognition doesn't seem to be there i've never quite to be honest with you i've never quite understood why i think i I think it's i think it's cultural yeah because i think that sorry no 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 no. what i was going to say is what i think what what greases the wheels where it gets very tribal is most of these places are Christian and most of these yeah. places are conservative Christians. And yeah. I don't even think that they're like – I don't even think they give – this, this goes into a whole conversation I could have about Christianity. But like I don't even think they give a fuck about Christianity. I just think that we are Christians. This is our tribe. This is who we are. And the Republicans yeah. have catered to that. And you know I think that Democrats – are pluralistic and yeah. they are they are all encompassing. They're like, well, we, we we get down with Christians. Some of us are Christians, but some of us aren't. And we don't think that should be yeah. the predominant. So I think that they it all goes back to politicians telling their audience what they want to hear. Religion, I think it's I think it's that some I think it was in, this is something happened in the seventies and the eighties where Republicans Reaganism that they could use, but what specifically they could use abortion and guns. Was, these kind of like cultural wedge issues, right? What was the so southern you, strategy? Would you care to explain what the southern strategy was if you know offhand? Uh, well, the southern strategy was a, essentially a Nixon strategy yeah. um, where, uh, you know, I mean, post, it's really hard to imagine, but there was a time not very long ago, like in the, in the lifetime of our parents and, and our parents kind of like, uh, you know, yeah. adulthood where like, there were a lot of conservative Democrats and there were a lot of liberal Republicans and the parties hadn't really been sorted as, as thoroughly as they have been now. And it was basically post civil rights act, you know, before the civil rights act, the South was solid democratic territory and it was the civil rights act that really kind of started the process of, of white Southerners fleeing the democratic party for the Republican party. And Nixon kind of took advantage of that. That was the Southern strategy. Yeah. The, the, um, the Wikipedia page basically says the Southern strategy was a Republican party electoral strategy to increase political support among white voters in the South by appealing to racism against African-Americans. Right. right. Exactly. And so 
I would say this though. I would say that it's, it's and that, what I'm talking about isn't even really just the South. In fact, when I, when I talk about this, I'm more thinking about the Midwest. Yeah, the uh, urban versus the uh, rural. You would think. Yeah, and, and, and you know the, the idea that Democrats, when you talk about just economic policy, like take everything other than economic policy out of the equation. Forget about guns. Forget about abortion. Forget about gay marriage. You know. Yeah. The economic policies that have been supported for the Democrats for the last. 50 years, really, you know, higher taxes on the wealthy, more regulation of, uh, you know, more regulation to protect workers, stronger unions, you know, environmental regulation. These are the kinds of policies that should be supported by, you know, um, you know, middle class, working class people. And, and like, frankly, Republican policies should probably, economic policies probably should be supported by like the urban elite. And yet, we rudely it's backwards, right? The urban elite is becoming more and more Democrat, and the and the kind of working class, especially working class white America, mm-hmm. especially in the Midwest, is becoming more and more Republican. Why? It's because of it's because people don't seem to be voting on economic issues. People seem to be voting on cultural issues, right? So sometime somewhere along the line, Republicans realize like, oh man, we can get these because traditionally working class voters have been heavily Democratic, and Republicans at some point figured out, oh, we can we can get them if we. Make them forget about economic policy and just talk about how the Democrats are the party of abortion and gun control. Yeah, because because you know rural white Midwesterners are pro life and they are pro gun, and you know, and it's almost this weird place where like they've gotten a huge swath of America to, to vote based on these kind of like cultural identity issues instead of on these the kind of core self interest economic issues. But you know, because frankly, like you know, rich white people in New York City and San Francisco. Higher capital gains taxes are probably bad for them, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but they're not voting on that. They're also voting on uh, from the opposite side because they're heavily pro-choice yeah. and they're heavily pro-gun control. And so, you know, it, it's this weird. It's it's just this weird place where where these cultural issues have become dominant in how we vote. Um, well, it's, it's strange. It's strange to me. Well, two things. One, this is definitely like I apologize to. You know the one or two conservative listeners that I may have. Uh, sorry, this turned into a democratic echo chamber here, but this is how me and Joe talk. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Like, this is just the way it goes. But it's uh, I, I try not to stop. I, I try not to talk politics because one, everybody talks politics and it's fucking everywhere now. You can't escape it. And you know, honestly, because like I don't want this show to be about politics. But when I'm with you, the thing we talk about is sports and politics. So, exactly. uh, but yeah, speaking of like. Voting and policy and you know cultural cultural issues. Do you want to talk about the Democratic candidates? Because this is what I've been looking forward to talking to you sure. about for a while sure, yeah. now. Let's talk about it. because Let's this is your again as a Democrat. You're I, I would imagine you're heavily invested in this uh, candidacy race, right? Yeah, I mean I've been paying pretty close attention. Um, I I don't really know that I have a favorite candidate yet, but. Okay. Um, well, that eliminates uh, one question I was going to ask you. <laughs> if, if I had to, if I had to pick one right now, I'd pick Warren. Um, yeah, I'm in that camp. I, I as just, well. I, I really like that she, she's, I, you know, I think the most thoughtful candidate on policy, and she does seem to do a pretty good job of connecting with voters, um, at least yeah. in, in some situations. I really um, wish she had run in 2016, but I understand why the party was favoring Hillary because she was due, and people really wanted her in that in the in the Democratic National Committee. Like they wanted yeah. her to be the face and like i understand but i really wish warren i don't even know if warren would have been ready in 2016 but i, I really wish he would have ran four years ago because i really yeah. i've always been a big 
Elizabeth Warren fan. So yeah, but yeah, let's talk about. It. Let's go through it. Well, anything else you want to say about Elizabeth Warren besides like what do you like? How do you feel about the fact that she used to be apparently used to be very conservative, very Republican, and switched as Democrat? What do you think about that? Oh, I don't. I don't care. Okay. I mean, I you know, uh, people change all the time. And I, I get annoyed when like I heard a lot in the last primary. A lot of Bernie people, you know, oh Bernie, Bernie's been consistent he hasn't changed his views in 30 years well you know is that a good thing (laughs) (laughs) like i get sure you're you're like ideologically pure i get that you don't compromise and i you know there's a respect i have for that that you know you you haven't sold out or whatever but my thoughts change all the time Uh, you know i read a new book i get new information and i think huh yeah i do need to adjust my views so like to me there's like one side of that is like great he's pure he, you know he hasn't allowed himself to been compromised by dc that's you know there's some level of that that i respect but also like to me it's weird if you haven't changed your views in 30 years it's funny as a little like, history should evolve. as a little history with me and joe when me and joe first met i was a conservative catholic and now i'm a now i'm a pinko i'm a godless pinko like joe here right. so it's amazing right, how right, th- right. people change over time uh, no, but I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. To, to me, if you haven't changed your views in 30 years, what I what I get from that is like you haven't read a book in 30 years. Yeah. Every time I read a book, I, I, it teaches me something new and I, my views adjust a little bit. So let me ask you this. Honestly, here's where I'm coming at. I'm a, I'm a big Warren fan. I was a big Beto fan, but that's just a home field thing. And like I really yeah, connected yeah, to Beto. Yeah. But here's my thing. Like I got no real beef with Joe Biden really mm-hmm. although i don't necessarily agree with him i don't care that he can beat trump i'm like i don't fucking care about that i don't i don't want to beat trump i want to enact policy anyway right well but my biggest you, thing you have, with, you have to you yes. have to beat trump to do that right like absolutely you don't you don't get to enact policy if you don't win so but i think if that's separate those completely if you if that's your only edge i don't that 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 does not interest me but what i'll say you know what? That's yeah fair. my two biggest things about bernie and biden is like look guys look I'm not trying to get all identity politics here and shit like that. I really am not. I really think the best candidate should be put up for the nomination. But guys, y'all are 70-something-year-old white men. Can we move away from the old white man candidates? Like Again, I'm not saying that old white men don't have – can't contribute, can't lead this country. I'm just saying can we open up – the applicant pool like can we please just get away from old white men and look that sounds like i'm like prejudiced hey, against them i'm like Jewish, yeah. At least there's that. yeah this is true like and honestly if you had if you made me choose between biden or bernie i'd choose bernie because like i'm sorry joe i don't want you as my president like i i don't think that when you were vice president i was like oh god i hope he never runs for president again that would be bad but my thing with Bernie is like again. I mean, even Biden. Yeah. I think he would be what the second Catholic president. Like it's 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 still like it's not the same kind of diversity that we think of. But yeah. Like uh, it's still it's like something. But Bernie had the heart attack, and I, I understand that he's fine now. But I'm like, see that kind of shit. Like I'm just like, can we get away from the old white? And again, Elizabeth Warren, also seventy something years old. I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But can we have a woman? Can we have some other perspective? Yeah. Can we other have some other face? Like somebody that represents, like outside of white America, can we, or just like yeah. white male America? Am, am I unfair on that one, Joe? No, I think I think you're right. You know, I, I do think it's important to, um, to broaden have. our horizons. How about that? But, but but I will say this. I mean, you know, I'm not going to vote for someone just because of that. What? And I think here's what I think. Yes. I, I, you know, and I think we had what is almost certainly the most diverse 
pool of candidates that we ever have. I mean, you had a black woman, a black man, we got a, a gay man, we got like, a Jewish man. Castro is Asian, also a Latino. We have an Asian man, we have a Latino man, we have whatever the fuck Tulsi Gabbard is, although she's a weirdo. I, we can talk about that later. And she's, <laughs> uh, she, she, she weirds me the fuck out. I don't know what her deal is. Okay. It's safe to say it's the most diverse pool of candidates. And I think that's the best you can do, right? You have to, at some point, you have to like let the campaign play out. And if like you have this super diverse pool of candidates and the guy who wins is a white man, so be it. You know, yeah. and so I think about Biden. I think a lot of the criticism of Biden has been unfair. I mean, Biden is clearly not a like deep policy thinker. Yeah, I think if you if that's what you want, he's just never going to be your guy. And even under Obama was like a deep policy thinker. And even when Biden was his vice president, that wasn't who Biden was, right? And so, like, should Biden be president? Frankly, you know, I think it's going to be the kind of presidency where, you know. The, the, the cabinet and the, his advisors play a bigger role in policy mm-hmm. than they probably did under Obama or would under Warren, right? It'll be a more decentralized kind of policy-making operation, and that's fine. And, you know, what Biden does bring to the table, I think, is is he, he clearly connects with, you know, those, those working-class yeah. voters that we talked about before more than anyone else does. Sure. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. And it, it's just very clear. Bernie and Warren both. Ber, let's start with Bernie. Bernie, yeah. he calls himself a socialist. He's really not. He's really a social democrat. And it kind of annoys me that he won't use that word because just him calling himself a socialist gives people fodder to attack him. He's not a socialist. He's a social democrat. But, but you know, he doesn't – he's also not really like a deep thinker about these things. He, he supports universal health care and universal education because he thinks it's the right thing to do. Which is fair, mm-hmm. but it's not a particularly deep way of thinking about it. Warren clearly thinks they're the right thing to do, but also like has thought deeply about like what are the downstream effects of that and how can we manage them. Absolutely. And that's what attracts me to Warren. Same she's, here, just, same here. she's a much deeper thinker about these kinds of things. Yeah. For Bernie, it's like you talk about, oh well what about this with universal health care? He's like, I don't care. Like you have everyone has a right to health care. I don't care. And that's fine. No, that, that's fair. I mean, frankly, frankly, when when you know under LBJ, when um, you know we pushed through Medicare and Medicaid, if you go back and look at like what LBJ was saying, he he really just kind of said that he was like, it's the right giving seniors access to health care, paid for by the government, is the right thing to do. Period. He didn't really think through the effects. That, that's that's fine for me. It's it's more appealing to have someone like Warren, who I think is clearly a more detail-oriented thinker about these kinds of big ideas. It's very weird. Like, um, it's very weird. As long as we've had, uh, uh, we, I mean, we've had Jewish people in this country since we were founded, but it's really weird that, like, Bernie would be the first mm-hmm. Jewish, like, that's so wild. Like, what? Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, we almost had a vice president, Lieberman. Um, yeah. She it, turned out to be a jackass, but that's a different story. That's a different story. So how do you feel about, uh, if you had anything else to say about Bernie, go ahead. But how do you feel about like Buttigieg and uh, like Harris? Yeah, Buttigieg. Harris is, I don't, I really expected her to do better. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been, you know, following like the day-to-day of the campaign enough to like know why she hasn't caught fire. Yeah. But like, especially after that first debate with Biden. She kind of like eviscerated Biden in that first debate, and her poll numbers kind of just like shot up, and then and then just came back to earth. Yeah, regressed really to been, the mean. Yeah, she's really been struggling since then. I, I don't really know why, to be honest. 
I, I, I don't really have a good explanation for that. Similarly, I, I really thought Booker was going to gain more traction. Yeah, I was going to say, that was my feelings about, like, the way you felt about Harris. I expected Booker, because, like, I'd seen Booker before he announced, and I'm like, wow, this dude's really good. I really like him. But what I would yeah. imagine is he'll, he, he'll, he'll try again down the line, and I hope that he, you know, bounces back. Or maybe he gets a VP nod or something like that. Who knows? Maybe he could. I mean, Warren Booker makes a whole lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, so how do you feel about Buttigieg? I think I texted you. You never replied to this. I, I hope you didn't take offense to this, but I was like, yo, man, Buttigieg, if he put on glasses, he reminds me of you a lot. I don't mean I, I don't mean that as a compliment or uh, an insult. I just no, mean no, it the no. way it is, yeah. No, I, I, I like a lot of what he has to say. I think he's also a smart guy who's like yeah. really thoughtful about what he wants to do and what his vision is. I think he has a tough path. I mean, and frankly, this is uh, you know not not going to sound great, but he's polling in close to zero among black voters. Um, yeah. You know, I think frankly, especially older black voters, and I, this is stepping in dangerous territory, but uh, a lot of older black voters are just not going to vote for a gay person. Yeah. And uh, I think that's you know, fair. I think that's it, fair. It, to it's, say. It's, it's it's and you know Jim Clyburn, is, he's the House Majority Whip. I think yeah. he's the highest ranking Black Democrat in the country. You know he, he's been clear about this too. Uh, you know a lot of you know fifty plus Black voters that it's just the way they were raised. Absolutely. Um, and and you know for better or for worse, in the Democratic primary, older Black voters are the most reliable voting block. Right. Like if you look at who wins the nomination in Democratic primaries, going back to like the seventies. It's where older black voters are because they vote. Interesting. The, the reason Hillary beat Bernie was older black voters. The reason Obama beat Hillary was older black voters. And so you can keep going down the line. Whoever wins that block usually wins the nomination. Okay. And I just don't see Buttigieg being able to put together a coalition that gets him to the nomination because, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to be able to make inroads there. So there's that. Um, in terms of his policies, you know, I like a lot of what he has to say. I, you know, it's, it's also... You take all this with a grain of salt because people put on policy papers and then when they become president, you know, everything gets kind of compromised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, but, but you know, it, it is valuable to see some, what someone's starting point. When you see what their starting point is, you really know, like, all right, this is what I actually want. Yeah. And, and, and you learn a lot about a person by learning that. My issue with Buttigieg, and I have respect for him, I hope he has a very successful – he has a continued success down the line in a political career – I just don't know, and I think a lot of people have leveled this skepticism. I wouldn't call it a criticism, but a skepticism that I don't know how being mayor of a town prepares yeah. you for being president. That's just like that seems like you're skipping a whole bunch of steps there. Yeah, and it, it's, it's wild, right? Like Bill De Blasio, mayor of New York City, he got no traction. Yeah, um, well, that's because New York doesn't like Bill De Blasio, right? <laughs> well, that's fair, but yeah, it's, it's just funny. And like Mayor Pete, South yeah. Bend, Indiana, has probably got the population of like three square blocks of lower Manhattan <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right I mean I think, I think South Bend's what 102,000 people some shit uh, like something that something like that I mean yeah you know that's like the population of, of literally like a couple square blocks of, of Manhattan yeah. so uh, there's something to that and even Obama was criticized for not having experience and you know Obama was still on like the foreign relations committee in the senate and like you know he still served in the senate for four years it's hard to you know you're making decisions when you're the mayor of, or when you're president then uh you know i don't th- i don't know that being the mayor of south bend prepares you for so 
That's my only, that's, that's my that's only criticism fair, about or skepticism. Yeah, that's my only skepticism about him. Like, look, man, he might be the job. He might step into the office if he got elected. He might be able to bring us to a new age of prosperity that we have never seen. But I'm just All like, right. ooh, bro, you're like, you just you you seem like you're fresh out of college and you like want to apply for the uh, the president of a company. I'm like, ooh, bro, you got right, you right. need some well, work I experience. Think he's, what is he, 38 or something like that? He's young. He's like, he's. <laughs> It's wild that we're co- we're catching up to these people in age. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. I, I I'm remiss to say, happy belated birthday. I think I texted you on your birthday, but you are now Thank in the you. thirty club, and I'm not far behind you. But happy you, yes. happy belated thirtieth sure. birthday. It's funny. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and Bill Simmons was like, "Oh yeah, Steph Curry's getting old. He's uh he's about to be thirty one." And I'm like, "Shit." <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you feel yeah. about? Uh, I don't know what to feel about this dude. I really don't. I've kind of avoided him because his his legion of fans seem cultish. But how do you feel about Yang? I do not like Yang. Okay. Um, I don't. And, and you know. Okay, so if you were to explain it to like an undecided voter or an undecided Democratic voter, what it, what is it that you don't like about Yang? I, I he's just this like he to me he's just is this archetype of this like Silicon Valley bro who like doesn't actually understand the problems at all but thinks he's smart enough to have the solutions like yeah. his whole his whole thing is like this universal basic income thing and I'm not saying I oppose universal basic income I think it's a an idea that that is is a good idea it's worth exploring for combating yeah, yeah. specific problems but yeah. just he's not thoughtful about it at all like his his thing is like automation is coming to take your job let's give everyone a thousand dollars a month and it's like well hold on you know truck drivers in this country make pretty decent money i think the average salary for a truck driver is like seventy thousand. all right so okay we're gonna have self-driving trucks in a few years gonna take your take their jobs all right so if you're a truck driver that was making 70k you lost your job, but oh, it's cool because you're getting a thousand a month. No, I don't think so. Like, you, we, we we need we need a more thoughtful solution. If the problem you're trying to tackle is automation is coming to take jobs, we need a more thoughtful solution than a thousand dollars a month because that's not going to cut it. On the other hand, I think UBI actually is a thoughtful solution to a different problem, which is wealth inequality. And Cory Booker actually has a really um, a great uh, policy that I love called uh, he calls it baby bonds. Yeah. And it's 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 not so much universal basic income as it is universal basic wealth. Because basically, he, you every baby born in the United States will be endowed with essentially a, a small trust fund. And it's scaled based on your income. So the poorer you are, the more you get. And essentially, you are not allowed to touch this until you're 18. Mm-hmm. And then once you're 18... Uh, you know, it's invested in, in you know, a city, like government bonds, essentially, a kind of pretty safe asset class. Sure. And, and then once you turn 18, you can use it for, but only for specific things. You can use it for education. You can use it to start a business. And there are a couple of, like, other specific things you're allowed to use it for. So, to me, that is a more thoughtful... Yeah, uh, it's an investment and not what, just a handout. Yeah, it's an investment. But, but it's actually getting at a, a real problem, which is, right now, unless you're a fairly well-off person, yeah. Suppose you have an idea to start a business. Okay. You probably won't do it, right? Because if most small businesses fail, everyone knows that. Even you, like, there's a lot of luck involved. Even if you have a good idea, more likely than not, your your startup will fail. Yeah. So suppose you have an idea for a small business for a startup, you know, and you know that you're like, you know what, this is a good idea, but three out of four chance it'll fail. You're not going to do it because yeah. if you because because it requires you putting everything into it, and yeah. if you fail, you have nothing. Right, the people who start small businesses are the people who know that even if this fails, I'll be fine. 
Like, yeah. I've got a backup. I've I'll still tell got you, one. I'll tell right? you, uh, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine I just met recently, and he runs a bar, and uh, I was just talking to him about it. And I was telling him, I was like, look, man, I, I work at accounting. I'll tell you this, man. I don't know much about accounting, even though I work in the field. I've never taken a business class in my life, but I'll tell you this, man, from what I've experienced and what I know, most even if you have a great idea, most businesses fail because they're not keeping right. tabs of the books. Like they're not taking care of the books. Like that's right. usually where things fail. Right. Like mismanagement of money, not having the right. not having not being on your P's and Q's, man. So yeah, I totally I totally echo what you're saying, Joe. Right. And well and it's also luck, right? Like yeah, I mean exactly. a certain amount of it is like, oh, I have a great idea. But it turns out four other people have the same great idea at the same time, and for whatever reason, they went out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are a bunch of reasons it can happen. But my point is, what what this what this does, what this like baby bond idea does, is it gives people that cushion, right? So now, if you're a person who doesn't have a whole lot of money, um, you can take that risk with that money, with that with that government money, effectively. And if it fails. Okay, you took that risk. You lost your baby bond, but like you, you still got your own money, right? Like you didn't. You, you're not fucked. Yeah. You're not gonna be. You're not. You're not. You're not ruined. You're not gonna be bankrupt. Sure. And so, so it, it, it's it's this kind of it has this downstream effect of of encouraging entrepreneurship in, in that way, right? Like it, it encourages. It gives people the chance to take risks without being ruined if it doesn't come through. Yeah, taking on that, that, a huge amount of right. debt. Yeah. Right, and 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 the fact that right now, essentially, the only people who are going to have the you know ability to start a business are people who are already fairly well off. That, yeah. That's that's the current status quo. That perpetuates wealth inequality, right? Because yeah. you know, people who already have money are going to start businesses. Some of those businesses are going to be successful, and it just becomes this solidifying bifurcation of wealth and not wealth. Joe, so, if we ever wanted to do a pod on how this country protects wealth and like institutionalizes yeah. wealth, oh, yeah. I would, oh my god, we could we would be fucking. We could talk, for hours we could talk so, fucking five hours on that shit. Like right. that's one thing I've realized. Like this government and this economy does everything it can. To protect wealth in this country, like it's so wild. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, no yeah. No, but but, but to, to, to bring us back to Andrew Yang, yeah. Like, like to me, just like giving a thousand dollars a month for everyone because soon people are like a lot of jobs are going to be lost automation is just not a thoughtful yeah solution to what isn't really a problem yet, right? right? Like it's and so to me, it's a little bit annoying that like Yang has this cult following and and. Booker's got nothing because Booker actually has, in my view, what's like a much more thoughtful way of, of instituting a similar policy. Because if you really think that, like, oh yeah, your seventy thousand dollars a year job is going to disappear, but it's cool, we're going to give you a thousand dollars a month. That's that's ridiculous, frankly. So, so I went through the list of other candidates, and oh my god, there are people on here I've never heard of in my life. Like, who the fuck is? Let's talk about this. Who the fuck is Joe Sestak? I don't know who the fuck that is. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, fucking Wayne are, Wayne Messam. Yeah, these Tom are people who are Steyer. way way down the line. Like so, t- so Tom Steyer is a he's a billionaire. He oh yeah 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 okay he's I kind like of a, this he's dude. like a successful hedge fund guy. Yeah, and for he's been involved in politics for a while because he started a group called Next Gen Climate and put a ton of money into it. You know, just to, essentially to advocate. You know climate policy i do know who john um, delaney is i remember this dude i was like who the fuck is this dude i was he's like a, okay he's a weirdo he's a weirdo so yeah. you, you wanted to touch on tulsi gabbard a little bit yeah tulsi gabbard is just this very strange you know she's like a 
pretty liberal Democrat down the line on most issues. But then weirdly, she like she like supports like electroshock therapy for gay people. Oh, what? She, whoa, whoa, that took a she, left turn. That's like a hard right turn. I'm sorry. Hard right turn. And then she also like her foreign policy views are really weird because she like went to visit Bashar al-Assad oh and, and came back talking about how like he's not really the problem in Syria. And it's like, cool, man. Like, why are you caping for fucking brutal dictators who gas their people you know it's just like really and i'm not saying bashar al-assad is like the only problem in the region it's a fucked up region with all kinds of problems but like why are you out here caping for it just weirds me out that you like are caping for like this fucking one of the most vicious dictators on the planet right now yeah and it's it's just odd and like she'll also say nice things about putin it just it creeps me out yeah some i'm not gonna say she's a russian asset but I'm not going to say she's not. Really. Well, I want to. I, I want to state for the record. I've, this has been weighing on me for a while, but I think it needs to come out as well. I am a Russian asset, Joe. I'm, I hate to tell you, this whole time I was a plant. I've just been working my way. I I'm in love with Mother Russia, and I will do whatever I will do whatever Vladimir Putin asked me to do because we were screwed over by the Cold War. All right, we deserve to win. All right, we deserve hey, to win. Communism is the way to go. <laughs> so I did want to ask you because I, I think I texted you when we were going to do this. I think last weekend, but things got you were busy, you were out of town, and I was like, "Oh shit, well we'll just push it a week." But what's up with Bloomberg and this dude Devil Patrick? Like, what the fuck? Why are people hopping in this late in the game? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's hard to know. I, uh, what the fuck is the appropriate question to ask? Uh, Bloomberg might just be like an egomaniacal crazy person who thinks he can be president you know obviously bloomberg is like a socially liberal guy you know big into gun control but but very economically centrist and so you know it could be you know he sees you know biden as the guy he would have supported but you know biden hasn't run a great campaign he sees himself as an alternative to biden but you know again what what makes Biden, Biden's strength is not his economic centrism. It's it's his ability to connect with like working class people. Sure. And I don't think I don't think a billionaire media investor is gonna yeah. is gonna have that same ability. Yeah. Um, Deval Patrick is a little bit different. Deval Patrick is a he's the former governor of Massachusetts. Yeah. Very close with Obama personally. Like they knew each other growing up in Chicago. I think. Oh, and, okay. um, so he's very close with Obama. Very similar in like political style to obama like very like hope change like let's all be friends Mm -hmm. like you know not not really going to campaign from a place of like anger in the same way that bernie and warren do right like bernie and warren are running kind of like i'm not i'm not saying this is a bad thing but they're running like angry campaigns whereas you know he's a guy who's much more like we're all americans let's all work together and get along frankly i think if he'd gotten at the beginning he, there's a good chance he could have gained some traction i don't see how he could now he also i mean this is a guy you know, i mean listen he, he worked at bank capital and like he's not a person that like the economic liberals are gonna have any interest in and so it's, it's hard to see his path now it just seems like you're like i know that like obviously this is a little what little uh, well-known secret about people who launch presidential campaigns, especially the current president, uh, most people when they get in there, they don't expect to win. They honestly don't. They're just doing it for like awareness and prestige and like putting their brand out there, like being on yeah. being on television to some to some extent. But it's like so, it's just like why are y'all doing like what? It's less than a year. What do you think we're? Uh, uh, it's 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 a little bit weird. It's um, very weird. 
it's, uh, it's a little bit weird. So, um, so, so Bloomberg, yeah. I, I think these guys have different motivations. I honestly think Bloomberg just like is a fucking egomaniac. And fuck it, know. right? He's just like fuck Deval it. Patrick, I, he, I don't know because he, I mean, he's a savvy you know politician, so I don't really know what to make of Deval Patrick. It's going to be interesting to kind of monitor and see what what happens there. Presumably, he's got a lot of the Obama people behind him because, yeah. like I said, he, he is very close with with Obama, like mm-hmm. personally. To the point where actually during the 08 campaign, Obama was actually criticized because he, he, he like stole from some of Zaval Patrick's speeches, <laughs> right? Like he, he like used, and there was like a, a little bit of a plagiarism scandal, he like used things from Zaval Patrick's speeches, and Zaval Patrick had to come out, he was like, actually like, we like wrote that together. <laughs> he just like, both, it was like, it's not really plagiarism, but yeah, yeah. anyway. So... We have a, we still have a long way to go, less than a year, but still a long way to go. It'll be very interesting going forward. I, I I'm 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 very tempted to resign myself to cynicism that it's like it doesn't matter. Trump's not going to get impeached, and Trump's going to win four years. I'm really like I don't know what that will do to me though. So, well, first of all, Trump will Trump is going to be impeached. Um, the House is going. To oh yeah, okay, Trump. but he's not going to be removed from office. Very doubtful. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he'll be removed from office, but and I do think I'm like God. If he wins four more years, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. Like I might actually like. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I'm not saying I would move, like leave the country, but I would just be like, I've given up on this country. If we fucking yeah, if this dude after tough. these first four years wins another four years, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. It's absolutely. I, mean, I don't. I don't think he will. I think there's a. I think the chances are certainly greater that he'll lose than that he'll win. I, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I think it's almost impossible for Trump to win the popular vote. Yeah. His, his approval has just been too low. Uh, that being said, you know, essentially what he did last time was find a way to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, and, and Wisconsin by, like, the skin of his teeth. And he, theoretically, he could do that again. I'm so not so, ready. I'm so not ready for this another year of, like, 2016 – while three years ago still is still pretty fresh like i'm just like it got so crazy in those like september and october of 2016 i'm just like i can't i don't think i'm ready joe i'm so not ready for this like i'm just like it's gonna get so he is already insufferable and he is already a tax on like my mental state even though he really shouldn't be but he is i'm just not ready for him to like amp it up again i'm just like fuck this dude i mean listen uh, to, to calm your nerves a bit, I mean, yeah. he's consistently been like at around forty-one percent approval, right? If you look at like the, the average, yeah, I look at I look at five thirty-eight's average, um, which is bad. It's really bad. It's really hard to win re-election with that. You know, we also had a historically unpopular candidate last time. I like Hillary Clinton, but let's be honest, she was a very bad candidate. You know, it's hard to imagine whether it's Biden, Warren, Bernie. I mean, all of these guys are, are more popular than Hillary. And, and you know, you, uh, you look at the state by state numbers, and he's not doing great there either. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I, I'm not going to say there's no chance. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I certainly think there's a, a much greater chance he loses than that he wins. On a on a more local level, hopefully, I mean, this is we're we're literally recording this Saturday, so by the time this posts, the election will be over. But hopefully, yeah. John yeah. Bell Edwards wins re-election. Yeah. That would be that, very be disappointing. Great. Yeah. 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 That'd be yeah, very disappointing great. if he lost. I would be like, oh fuck. Like, yeah, no, I, I'm rooting for him. Obviously, he's not my ideal Democrat, but yeah. I think he's he's about as good as you're going to do in, in Louisiana. You know, I think it would be a rebuke to Trump if within a, a couple of weeks, you know, Democrats win in Kentucky and Louisiana, which is it's hard to imagine two more red states than Kentucky and Louisiana. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that, that'll that'll be a good kind of 
rebuke to, to the president. Well, I can't wait to have you on next year, pre-2020 election, because that'll be something. And maybe we can – maybe I'll listen to this episode again and around that time to catch up. I'll be like, what, what did we say a year ago? So, yeah. But yeah, man, I am I am optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I think that's like what all adulthood boils down to. Like you're just cautiously optimistic about everything. You're just like, eh, this could go good. This or, this could go well. Let's hope it goes well. And like, but you know, it could probably go south. And let's let's plan for you know if it does go south. So I think that's what that's that's the mode I'm in these days. It's like eh, I'm cautiously optimistic about everything in life. But right. yeah, I uh, that's where I yeah. I really do think we're in a good place in terms of beating him for re-election but a lot can change in a year so i've never been i think i said this when we recorded last year or the year before when he won i've never been more wrong about anything like i i usually i, I took it i'll just tell the story i took a bet with one of my friends for 150 dollars, and i won the bet and i literally told this person i don't gamble i don't gamble i only bet money when i know i'm absolutely going to win i know ex- right. i only know i only take bets well, when i what know was the i'm right well i don't want to get into it well i'll tell okay. you but i'll bleep this out all right i'll cut this out anyway So that was the bet and I told her I was like I told this person I only bet when I know I'm right and I was so confident. I was so sure that Trump would lose. I was I've never yeah. been I was so so sure. And I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And I'm just like, I can't believe I could be this wrong. So I'm always I'm always skeptical. I'm always gonna be hesitant about saying anything definitive ever again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, again, random shit happens all the time. And yeah. so you know, it, it, listen, it was a fluke. I mean, he won those three states by really, really, really narrow margins. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, I mean, literally, if a few more people got out of bed that day, it's, you know, and, and it was a perfect shitstorm, right? Yeah. Like, you had like you had Comey coming out 10 days before the election and saying, oh, we're reopening the investigation, which was infuriating. You know, obviously, you had all this Russian fuckery that we didn't know about at the time. Presumably, I mean, presumably, the Russians are going to try that again, but hopefully we're more prepared for it. And I'll also say this, right? Like, he's sitting there with a, his average on 538 is currently 41.2%, you know, and, and the Dow literally hit an all-time high yesterday, right? The economy is doing fantastically, or at least, the, the, I won't say the economy, the markets are doing fantastically. Yeah, okay. And it's certainly more likely that next year the markets will be doing less good than it is that they'll be doing more good, right? Like, it's if you had to bet, will the markets be up a year from now or down, I think down is probably a safe bet because they're, you know, they're on fire right now and that typically doesn't last. Yeah, it levels off, yeah. Even if they are doing better, like, they're not going to be doing that much better, right? Like, under normal circumstances, with the markets doing this well and with, like, no major foreign policy crisis, a president should be at, like, 55% approval and he's at 41, okay? And so that's just not a good place to be. I, I don't think his approval is going to move that much one way or the other. Yeah. Because I think his ceiling is like 43 and his low, his floor is probably like 37 because like everyone's fucking made their mind up about him. Yeah. Right? Like there aren't that many people who are like, I don't know about Trump yet. Like he's pretty polarizing. So um, I, I think it really will come down to like 
can we get a candidate that, that gets people out to vote, especially in those three important states? The problem with living in a, a pretty blue liberal hub like Austin is, like I'm like, man, I should get out there and campaign. I'm like, I don't have to worry about Austin. I don't really have to right. worry about this county. Right, I have to right, worry right, about right. the fucking rest of this state. Like I'm not driving all over Texas to campaign for anyone because like fuck all that. But like right. I'm just like, oh god, oh god, please don't. But I think that we are a resilient country and I, I want to believe – the other thing I'm worried about is say he loses, like dude, he's going to probably cause a shit storm if he loses. So it's like I guess we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. But I'm like, god, it's going to be awful either way. But I guess him winning re-election is the much more awful scenario in that. So. Yeah, that would be yeah. pretty terrible. I think that's going to do it for the the talk. Are you ready to get in these questions, man? Let's do the questions. Yeah, for real. Thank you again, Joe. I know you love doing this, and I, I, I always I look forward to having you on because we have such an intelligent – like a, such, a, such a thoughtful and intelligent conversation about politics because I know a little bit, and you know vastly more, and I always love hearing what you have to say about it even though we are two pinkos in our echo chamber. So we're <laughs> in our bubble. Absolutely. We're in our bubble, but it's still fun nonetheless. Okay. So these questions. All right. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, I, <laughs> pretty much what I am. <laughs> yes, that absolutely <laughs> like makes sense. Like a political sense. operative. You know? like, <laughs> I, I wasn't one of those like fire bad astronaut. I was like, I want to work in politics. Ladies um, and gentlemen, Joe was born with a with a Washington Post in his hand. That's exactly. that's where it was. I, was. I was born with like a Washington Post in one hand and like a Starbucks in the other. There you go. Uh, okay, let's say this. Say you won the Powerball or some shit, and you came into a very large sum of money. You took care of all your bills. You set up all your trust, uh, all that uh, stuff. Uh-huh. What's the first big thing you'd buy? Uh, if it's enough money, I would, I would buy, buy like big thing I want to buy is a, a sports team, man. That, that would be fucking awesome. Like own an NBA team or something. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I had Dalvin on earlier in the year. He said the exact same thing. He's like, yeah. I would want to, I would want to own a sports team. I'm like, that would be pretty dope, but that seems hella expensive. So like, yes. I guess you would need That's billions. Like, like, like Powerball yeah. money isn't like enough for that. Yeah, like, right. Like you'd have like. That's like you're talking like 1.5 billion is probably like what that costs. Right? Yeah, somewhere around there. So uh, I don't know what the last Powerball was, but it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. Uh, <laughs> but you could, hey man, if you got like a cool 500 mil off a of Powerball and you invested in like five to ten years, you could turn that into like billions well, also, of dollars. Most sports teams aren't owned by one guy, right? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. It's like a, it's like a group of investors. So yeah, there's usually one. I, there's usually one majority owner, and then like a. A hella amount of minority so I'll be a minority I'd want to own the Pelicans because I you know I'm, I'm just kind of terrified that eventually they're going to move man so. who knows uh, yeah we didn't even talk about Zion man are you uh, have you been following the team I have I've watched a few games yeah. um, you know they're not doing great they've yeah. had a pretty tough schedule and you know like I have no expectations Right, like I don't expect them to make the playoffs, you know. Yeah. I, well, I, I just want Zion to get back. I want the you know young core to, to get a lot of playing time together because I mean they have a bright future. Ingram has looked phenomenal. Lonzo's looked good, so I'm I'm excited about them long term. Cool. All right. What is a chore you absolutely hate doing? Cleaning the bathroom. Oh my God, Joe. It's gross, man. It's gross. Joe Lusick, I love you. I've asked this question to numerous friends of mine and numerous guests. I usually get dishes, dishes, oh, this laundry. Is a, this, is, this is a reason. Laundry is easy. I thought, oh, see, this is why I love you, man, because I feel I feel like cleaning a bathroom is gross. so gross, and it's so like you have to get on your knees to do it, and I fucking hate cleaning toilets. I hate cleaning tubs. I hate cleaning about ba- Joe, I love you so much. You were the first person who said bathrooms other than me. Bathroom, man. Bathroom. Cleaning the toilet and the sink. It's gross. 
fucking awful. And like people like, oh, I hate folding laundry. Like and, and the, you hate the like the Sisyphean effort of doing laundry. Like you got to just keep doing it every week. And I'm like, yeah. dude, like fucking watch TV while you do laundry, man. Laundry's easy. Dishes, fucking scrub that shit. Like put on some gloves. And obviously, I put on gloves when I clean the bathroom. But I'm just like, I just hate hate cleaning bathrooms dude thank you so i'm so glad there's someone else out there who feels the same way all right uh so let's say you were going on a road trip somewhere or you were going on a long trip you know you stop at a gas station and you need a snack for the road what are you grabbing what's your favorite snack or candy bar my favorite snack is gonna be cheeses i love cheeses oh but, good call uh, but if good you're call. asking candy bar specifically uh, i would go snickers yeah good call both good calls i remember i miss cheeses cheeses were my jam back in the day man uh, just to have a Wendy where you can go get you some cheeses, man. There's I can't really. I'm really can't eat them because I I gotta avoid <laughs> oh, the dairy yeah. products. But like, yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot, but like, yeah. if you bought a bag of cheeses and we were together, I would steal one or two of them because like right. they're good amazing. luck stealing just one or two. Those things are addictive. Man. Yeah, they are very dizzy. Oh, I'm, it wasn't cheeses. I'm sorry. I'm getting. I love cheeses, right? But by by snack in the back in the day, Chewies. Remember Chewies back home? Oh man? boy, I remember Chewies. Yeah. Dog, yeah. I used to eat those. On my lunch break when I in high school when I was working, this is the most unhealthy thing. Don't ever do this ever, kids listening. But my my lunch was usually a bag of Chiwis and a Nos energy drink. That's just like so awful for your You're insides, right. but it was so healthy. good at the time. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I think I know. I might know some of these, but uh, but I'm very curious to hear answer this one. What was your best and what was your worst school subject? I mean, you were pretty. Uh, you were doing pretty well in school, from my recollection, on pretty yeah, much everything. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really. I don't really know what my worst was. Uh, like in elementary school, I like I didn't do well in like handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I can't no, confirm I, that because I've seen Joe's handwriting. Yes, like that. I, that I makes always sense. liked like uh, social studies. You know, I always yeah. liked like history and, and geography and you know yeah. economics and stuff like that. I was good at math. I liked science. I, yeah, I don't really know that I had a, like obvious worst one but um i'll go with handwriting <laughs> yeah. mine was uh I and think, art a fucking terrible at art yeah i um uh, i think i've said this on the pod before but i think my best was always english or like uh yeah english was probably my best uh mm-hmm. uh and my worst it wasn't even math it was Okay, it wasn't it wasn't math. It was physics. Physics was the worst thing I've ever had to do. College physics, even at LSU, which is not. I mean, obviously, I was in like the Gen Ed physics, and it was not even like the that hard of physics in hindsight. But like, I hated physics so much. I've never felt dumber in my life, Joe, than taking college physics. I remember. Yeah, I didn't even take physics in college. I took. um, We only had to take. a couple science classes because I was, you know, not a science major, but yeah, I, took, yeah. I took a geology class mm-hmm. and I took an evolutionary biology class, Ooh. which was fascinating. That's one of my favorite classes. Evolutionary biology sounds hella like I it's took so, some. This evolution is so cool. Yeah, I took so uh, cool. in college. I took developmental psych, and we had some of it was. I remember parts of it was evolutionary psychology, and I thought that was fucking fascinating. That was yeah, incredible. That, 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 fascinating okay Uh, i love i love that stuff okay what is the best vacation you've ever taken yeah thought about this for me like i don't know like i've always like people you're with matter more than like where you are i've always thought so like i don't know that anyone stands out to me but like since college i went on a few college 
uh, you know, reunions with college friends. And we went to uh, one of my buddy's parents live in Orlando now, and we went to Disney World. And we just like went to Epcot and like did a drink at every nice. station around the world and fucking blackout, man. We we like stumbled into Magic Kingdom afterwards. And, like, <laughs> I remember, I remember one of my friends like laying down on the ground in line for a ride, and like this like this like mom with like three kids being like, "Your friend is too drunk to be here. You should leave." <laughs> Fuck so, you, lady. We all celebrate Disney in our own way, all right? Calm exactly, down. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Uh, okay. All right, this is a weird one. I'm very curious. I think I know you'll lean on this one, but uh, would you rather speak all languages or have the ability to speak to all animals? That's a good question. I think I think I would rather have the ability to speak to animals. Wow, I thought you'd go languages on that one, man. Yeah, I know, I know that languages is like the more practical answer, but yeah. like to me... You know, I mean, I can always figure out a way to communicate with someone who doesn't speak English, right? I can always, like, yeah. you know, Google, like, how do you say this? I've, I've been really into, I've listened to a few podcasts about, like, animal rights recently, and I've, like, it's a subject I never really thought a whole lot about. And, yeah. like, there's all this science out there now that, like, we always kind of assume that, like, animals don't really have emotions, and animals don't really have like complex thoughts and like we now know that that's wrong and like they do i think just to, like be able to actually get inside of the head of like a fucking possum or some shit or a chimpanzee like, what they're or thinking. some shit yeah yeah like any like that that you know yeah. humans you know language is a barrier but like we fundamentally you know we're all the same species like we think the same way the same like basic motivations drive us and like even if like Google Translate wasn't a thing. Like, you're sitting there with someone who doesn't speak English, you can, like, put on a song, and, like, you can write over music or something, you know? Whereas, like, animals, like, you'll never, we'll never be able to understand how they sing without being able to do that. So I'm going to go talk to animals. Cool. That's I, uh, that, that makes a lot of, that's a very thoughtful explanation. Most people I've talked to with, like, talking to animals are like, I want to talk to my dog. I'm like, okay, sure, why not? Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay, that's very interesting. I was, uh, genuinely surprised by that one. I think I know the answer to this one as well because I think we've talked about how much you love pizza. But if you could have, would you rather have unlimited pizza for life or unlimited tacos, including burritos? This is the easiest question I've ever heard. <laughs> Look, even if I could, even without dietary restrictions that I have, so if I could eat all the pizza in the world, I think I'd still go tacos. I really would. I think I, I, would... I appreciate your opinion. But uh, you're wrong. And, like, I know we talked about how earlier there are no black and white answers. We should, we should approach problems. There's nuance and everything, this right? Is, this is one issue that I, it's very black and white. Pizza. Yeah, I, we've, we've had talks about how much you love pizza, but uh, I think that. Uh, See, I just think tacos are more, like, while pizzas are probably more delicious on average, I think tacos and burritos are more versatile and you could do more with them. And I'd be more interested in that than. Mm-hmm. But I love me, I, dude. I love. I dream about pizza. I don't. I haven't had a, a actual slice of pizza in years. I know that's shocking mm-hmm. to some people, but I love tacos, dude. I fucking love. I live in the best town for it too. Like I think yeah, the only way you could get better sense. tacos is if you moved like farther west and farther south from me. Yeah. But Austin's not a bad spot for tacos, dude. It's I so bet, good. It's so good here. Oh, um, it's funny. I um, I have like very strong feelings about like like I think deep dish pizza is like a travesty and like an affront to, to, to like humanity so obviously my fiance is from chicago and yeah. her from chicago so our rehearsal dinner is actually at like a deep dish pizza place oh wow <laughs> so uh, so i was like I'm, that, I'm okay it's just like i will be ordering 
I will go to this classic deep dish pizza restaurant and be like, give me a fucking thin crust pizza, motherfucker. <laughs> I will order it and I will like it. The um, wedding's off. Everybody cancel it. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I, I was, uh, I, I've never had Chicago deep dish, but I was in, I have relatives that live in southern, south of Chicago, Illinois, right? And, uh, there was, I guess, a local chain that did deep dish pizza, and I've had it. It wasn't okay. It wasn't authentic Chicago deep dish, but it was like as close as I've ever gotten. I think it was pretty close. It wasn't bad. Yeah. I liked it. It was fine. It just wasn't it's my. Just, it wasn't my it's thing. It's actually not. To me, it's not. It's not that it tastes bad. It's that it's not pizza. It's like it's something else. Yeah. Like you should call it something else. It's like yeah. it's like soup. Yeah. It's like pizza soup. Or you know yeah, what I mean? or a like, pie or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's just not. It's not pizza. Okay. So that's my that's my thought. Okay. We we've settled anyway. that one. Uh, unlimited pizza. Unlimited pizza. I, I knew you would. I knew you would say that. Okay, so if you had to sing karaoke, you know, gun to your head, gun to your balls. Mm-hmm. What song would you pick? <laughs> I thought your question was going to be, would you rather have a gun to your head or a gun to your balls? No, absolutely um, not. <laughs> I, I'm going to go. You know, my theory on this is, um, you know, pick a song that will like get other people singing along, so that you're not alone. Yeah. Okay. By yeah. Yourself. So I'm going to go uh, "Piano Man" by Billy Joel. Oh, nice. People know the words. People will sing along. Yeah. You know, um, that, that's that's my that's my move there. Now, did you pick him because he's also Jewish? Uh, I don't even think I knew that. Uh, is, he, is he Jewish? <laughs> is he Jewish? Billy I'm Joel is Jewish, Jewish, right? Uh, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Wait, he's... Yes! Oh, you... Yes, he is Jewish. You're yes, right. I knew it. <laughs> I wasn't stereotyping. I knew Daily, Billy Joel was Jewish. His father's name was Howard, so that pretty much settled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so you so didn't yeah. pick him because he's Jewish. <laughs> no, no, he is. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, I, don't know, I always like Billy Joel. That's yeah. a good, like, slow sing-along song that yeah. everyone will get into. Everyone's drinking. You know, it's a good, good karaoke song. Okay. All right. Last question. I'm truly like the only. The, the correct answer is like anything but don't stop believing because fuck that song. Oh, that's so – it's so worn out. Oh, okay. I know. It's, it's, uh, every time that comes on the radio, I want to punch something. I always, it's not because it's a bad song. It's just because like it is the most overplayed song in the history of the world. Mine was always uh, Melt With You uh, by Modern oh, English. Oh, that's a good one. I don't think – I think I've said this before. It, it doesn't seem vocally that vocally challenging, so I think I could manage it. Like I, right. I don't think I'd be successful, but I – don't think I'd like butcher it, so I think I could do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That works. That Last works. question, and we'll call it a day. If you had the entire world's attention, you know, all conscious adults or beings or whatever, right? For thirty seconds, if you had the entire world's attention, what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. I think you'd just be like, "Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Chill Stop out! All right, it. God." <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know, I. I yeah, I mean, I know that's not like the most profound answer, but just like, stop being this way, you know. <laughs> not even, not even necessarily with like climate change or like war or anything. Just like you know, everyone just chill out and be nice to each other. Yeah, I've asked this question uh, to several other guests, and that's pretty much the general like vibe that everyone's been like, "Hey guys, don't be an athlete." Like, the big, the big thing yeah, has been, don't, "Don't be an asshole." That is, and really, that is like the way I try to live my life. Yeah. Like I, I truly like. Again, like, uh, you know more about philosophy than I do. I'm not, like, a deep moral philosopher, but, like, yeah. it really does. I, I really do try to, like, when I'm in a situation, 
I'm just, I'm like, what do I do? It's like, well, this is the less assholeish thing to do, so this yeah. is the right answer. <laughs> that is, that is kind of like try how I, how I try to live my life. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that that's commendable, and um, I think that everybody should, and that's generally what the vibe I've gotten. Yeah, I would say something similar. Like, I'd be like. Hey man, I, I think last time I answered this question, I said I think that I would tell everyone, uh, not only like I guess it, it kind of ties in. Don't be an asshole. Is like you matter. You as a person, yeah. you matter. Yeah. You have value, yeah. Yeah. and so does everyone else. So yeah. just keep that I, in yeah, mind. Yeah, I, I guess to put it slightly more, uh, slightly more eloquently than I did when I just said stop it. Uh, you know, like live with empathy. You know, yeah. like. You know, respect other people and, and live with empathy. Yeah, man, I think that's a great note to end on. All right, Joe, thank you for doing this, man. I know you love doing it. I know you look forward to it just as much as I do. We had a great, do, great episode. And this will be coming out the 20th. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you know, like, subscribe, share. You know, reach out to me on social media. Uh, I don't think Joe really has a lot of social media, but, you know, if you send anything to me, I, I'll pass it along. I am on the Twitters. You are on the Twitter sphere. Uh, you're on the Facebooks. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us, man. And again, happy belated birthday, Joe. Many congratulations Thanks, on you and your engagement and to your fiance. Many happy, happy. I think we will record after y'all get married. So that'll be very interesting to talk sure. about next year. Sure. But yeah, man, and I'll see you next week. I, I mean, I, yeah. I'll see you a week after this episode drops. So I'll see you yeah. at Thanksgiving, man. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to hang out and uh, shoot the shit in person. So I can't Absolutely. I can't wait for that. All right, guys, Absolutely. that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. And Joe, I'll just catch you later, man. All right, see you later, man. All right, bye. bye.